no idea if it was going to be thin, fat, right or left, like no clue. Do my hands, like do I breathe? Like I had no clue. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. Guys, is your golf game off the rails? Sick of riding the struggle bus? You have come to the right place. Okay, sir, we got another part train. How great was this ride we just had with Emma Talley, LPGA Tour Pro? Well, not only did do we enjoy the ride, we also enjoyed the walk. She talked so, about that. Yes. It was a great episode. What a thrill to have Emma on. Well, before we get to this great conversation with Emma, um, in case you're new, the par train, first of all, welcome aboard. The par train helps frustrated golfers, maybe like you or me, uh, enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The Par Train Podcast unpacks the mental game with PGA Tour pros, LPGA Tour pros like yeah. today, best-selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. Before we preview this conversation with Emma, uh, we've got some big news, Sarm. Huge news. We've, this is, I am so honored, humbled, and excited to say that the Par Train podcast is now presented by Roback Performance Apparel. You may be wondering, well, how is that different than what we've heard for the last few years? Well, as you've probably heard, Roback has been a proud sponsor for many times throughout the past few years. However, now they are our core single title sponsor. So as the from the artwork on the front of our podcast, you'll see presented by Roback. They are now sponsoring every episode for the remainder of 2022 and hopefully beyond. But what an honor. And we are just yeah. so excited to have them aboard at an even higher level. And Sir, Sir, you were just on a bachelor party in Arizona for your buddy Mark, a college teammate of yours. And you said half the group, if not more than half, was wearing Roback yeah. performance apparel. It's funny. Three years we've been with Roback, Ev, and it's just, it, it was really kind of a cool moment because they all wanted to catch up on what's going on in the par train. And <laughs> it was everywhere I look. Roback Q-Zip. Adam had a Q-Zip on. Mark had a shirt on. Ryan had a hoodie on. And it was just yeah. like, it, it's something, something that's powerful too about the Roback logo. You know, the Rhodesian Ridgeback. It's like, yeah. And then we'd be sitting around having drinks in Arizona. Yeah. Hey, and these guys would be like, Roback. I'm like, yeah, guys, Roback is <laughs> on fire. I've been telling you this for years. Yeah. And it's so cool. So just an absolute honor to have them, you know, well, be presented funny. by Roback. I love that. And it's funny, sir, because people might have been listening to this show and they hear or maybe they fast forward through our Roback uh, reads and they may not even realize the gem that they're missing out on. Like, this yeah. is not just some normal polo or q-zip or hoodie like genuinely matt and i's closets are filled with this stuff and honestly it's not 99 of the time it's 100 of the time people that wear their first piece of roback will buy more because it's that good everything they do is soft stretchy it performs and it looks good it stays crisp it's like the highest quality stuff and something i didn't even mention yet sir as a part of this title sponsorship and being sponsored by Roback, we now have a code that we are only exclusively saying on the podcast. Yep. So go to Roback.com and enter the code TRAIN and get 15% off. So now that's easier on you guys. 
How good is that? You don't have to find a link. Just go to rowback.com, enter the code TRAIN, and get yourself 15% off. I'm telling you, you know what? If you don't like it, DM me, and we'll figure something out, because I guarantee you, well, if you, you don't will like it, love. You need, to, you need to wake up. <laughs> you will love all of their performance uh, apparel. I'm telling you, we are so grateful to have Roback on board in an even bigger way, and Roback and the Park Train to the Moon. Let's go. All right. Emma Talley. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, I was extra excited for this interview because her story is something I think you're really going to connect with and relate to. Sarm, tell people about Emma's background. Like, talk about a unbelievable resume. Yeah. Grew up in Princeton, Kentucky, three-time state champion in high school, um, NCAA champ, um, four-time All-American. All at Alabama? Am- at Alabama. U.S. Amateur champ in 2013, uh, 2015 Honda Award winner, you know, best collegiate golfer. I mean, you just, you doesn't get any better. I mean, truly just an absolute phenom of a player uh, growing up and then made her way to the LPGA Tour. Junior Ryder Cups. Yeah, I mean, we we could sit, the resume is incredible. Did it all. Yeah, I mean, multiple AJGA wins, all these things. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was so cool to talk to her. And then kind of that journey is, you know, a junior player, a collegiate player, and then onto the tour. In her first year, she made 21 of 27 cuts. Ev, um, you know, has had a lot, of, a lot of success. But like most players, it's had some ups and downs. And kind of adjusting to the tour and adjusting to certain courses and, you know, uh, certain conditions and things of that nature. And uh, she really went into it, Ev. And it's, it, it, I think our listeners are going to take so much from this episode. We talked a lot about it. You hear that resume. I mean, she was the number one recruit in the country um, coming out of high school and performed one NCAA champ in USAM when in Alabama. So, I mean, look, you might think, oh, she's a phenom. She's a natural. And a lot of that is true. But I think the stuff that you're going to really take from this episode is when she talks about how she lost her game, lost her swing wanted to quit, was chasing speed, suddenly was looking at everyone else thinking, I got to be in the top 10 of distance to compete. And we do that, you know? Yeah. We always compare ourselves to others. We always think we're broken or we're flawed and we need to rebuild and... And try to hit it, like the hitting it farther thing. Everybody's trying to do that. Yeah. And yeah. And what did she come back to? She said she started seeing a sports psychologist and it changed, not only changed her game, Change it changed life. her life. Yeah. And so if anyone has listening to this has struggled with the game of golf and you thought about quitting, and I know we all have, this is the episode for you. So definitely listen to the end. She's probably one of the nicest people we've ever had on the show. And we're going to cheer her on. I mean, yeah. I, I, we were just saying, sir, I think we need to have more LPGA players yeah. on the show. I think there's a lot to learn. Yeah. And, and she talked about that too, Ev, about yeah. how, for amateur players, it's easy to relate, right? Yeah. You know, the LPGA players don't hit it as far. They got to manage their games differently, kind of like, you know, a lot of male amateur players. So yeah. absolutely more LPGA players to come. Yep. And we're going to be cheering on Emma. Just an absolute amazing interview. Yep. So thank you again to Roback. This episode is sponsored by Roback. Um, enter the code TRAIN for 15% off. And thank you to Emma. Uh, you can follow her at E-R-T-A-L-L-E-Y on Instagram. She's a great follow. She's super vulnerable about things she's going through and 
and how she is getting back to herself. So uh, no matter how dark <laughs> the future seems, no matter how foreign the club feels in your hands, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. I've never done a podcast on the train. <laughs> well, there's a first time for everything. We'll get through it together. We're happy to have you. Yeah. Um, you're actually our first. Keep me honest here, sir. I think Emma's our first LPGA player we've ever had on the train. Active L- LPGA player. We've had Dottie Active Pepper on the LPGA. show three times. Dottie's a great friend of the show. But we need to get more LPGA players on the train. So, Emma, we might ask for your help I in guess, that. But you're yeah. the trailblazer. <laughs> exactly. I can tell you a story about Dottie Pepper later. Why don't we, let's hear it right now. (laughs) She messed me up when I was like 13 years old. You can tell her, you can tell her this story. Okay. I was, I think I was either 13 or 14 years old and I got my first U.S. Open and I'm like a homemade kind of girl. And um, she was the broadcaster at the U.S. Open and she was like, man, this girl could be really good, but her putting stance, like, has got to get better. Like, she's never going to make it. And I was 14 or something. Mm. And because I was, like, so excited to be on TV, I went back and watched the whole thing and heard her. Now, she could have messed me up or made me better. I'm not really sure which one would have happened. But for, like, five years, I was such a bad putter. Now I'm really good again. Like, that's mm. my best stat on tour was putting last year. But all because of Dottie Pepper. <laughs> wow. Full circle. Wow. We'll have to tell Full her. Full circle. Wow. And my college coach at Alabama was her coach at Furman. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Small world. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up, Emma. I wasn't expecting to talk about my own putting stroke today, but it's funny you bring that up. <laughs> Actually, on a trip with uh, Cermak at the PGA show last month in Orlando, uh, I saw my stroke on video for the first time in maybe ever and i was like i had this feels straight back straight through to me i have no idea that the putter comes this far inside and now it's like totally in my head i'm like it shouldn't be that hard to take it straight back straight through so i'm battling through it right now maybe i should take a lesson from you and not worry about it at all but i'm working through it myself yeah it's 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 golf is a four-letter word for a reason that's for sure yeah totally (laughs) so we've got a lot we want to dig into a little fun one my fiance and i are we're hoping to make new zealand our honeymoon spot but with covid restrictions it doesn't look like it's in the cards so i wanted to start say living vicariously through you and understand is New Zealand as amazing as it looks and what makes the golf so unique there? Well, first of all, New Zealand's amazing. Um, I go there every off season. My boyfriend's from there. Hopefully he's my fiance soon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Fingers crossed. Um, But it's great. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. Put it on air. Will he be listening to this? (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) I'll make sure of it. Um, New Zealand's great. it's such a beautiful country. In some ways, you feel like you're back in the day. I mean, they have like a, a chemist and then they have like a coffee shop. Then they have a tailor. Like it's kind of old school in that way. Mm. Um, but it's a beautiful country. The weather's amazing. The If you like to be outdoors, like it's beautiful. I'll have to send you some pictures later, but um, great hiking. If you go to the South Island, you've got the mountains, you've got the beach all within 
just a small parameter. So it's beautiful. The golf is, you've probably only heard about like the golf in New Zealand, but I think it's really interesting because in New Zealand and in Europe, I feel you either have like these rinky dinky courses or you have like these extreme prestigious, well maintained courses. And that's how New Zealand is. It's either way down here or way up here. And I've, I actually have, I kind of like the ones down here more than up here. I haven't played a lot that are like the prestigious ones, but the ones that are kind of just your everyday, like $200 a year to be a member at the golf course. Those are just so cool to me. Like I, Mm. I find it like old school, you know, it's not these fancy country clubs. It's just like everyone there loves golf and and the game and kind of brings me back to where I grew up in Princeton, Kentucky. Um, it's a small town. Um, it's just a really cool place. Definitely go there on your honeymoon though. It's amazing. It was our top choice. And then apparently with COVID restrictions, it's like there's seven to 14 day quarantine. You can't even leave the room. So I don't know if it's going to be in the cards, but if we can't make when it happen, it? Uh, it's probably going to be the end of this year. So oh, like November, crossed. December. I think, I think you're good. I think you're good. All right. Maybe I'll need to look back into it. They, because we did the 14 day quarantine two years ago. And then this past year, we did seven days um, in hotel, three days out. And they're thinking by the middle of the year that it's going to be open. Okay. Well, maybe I'll need to revisit. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Keep me, <laughs> yeah. Actually, keep me posted. I'm, I'm going to be your travel agent. Yeah, travel you're going to be my travel yeah. guide. Before I kick it to Sir, I thought this would be a really fun jumping off point for today outside of New Zealand. And it has to do with your wedges. Uh, I saw your custom stamped wedges. One has a smiley face. The other has suns and sun and fun written on it. And the other has flowers and be kind um, (laughs) on your 58. Now, these are all very bright, positive things. I want you to tell us more about these choices and why you stamped your wedges like you did. I grew up in a very faithful spiritual home um and my mom always would say be good be kind be smart make a difference today like she said that every day when I went to school and I guess growing up for me um once I got on tour you know the pressure of golf and we're getting to do what we love but it's also very stressful um because I've worked my whole life to to kind of be successful so when it doesn't go your way it's not that Mm. fun um, so for me, I mean, I always joke around that I'm the Walmart greeter of the LPGA. Um, <laughs> good day. How's it going? How was the wedding? You know, like I'm kind of the one that is That's always great. like ha- the happy one. Um, but I think those wedges to me just have a lot more meaning of, of what, of perspective. I think that at the end of the day, golf is just a platform for me to make a difference to someone else. And, um, I think if I can keep a smile on my face, even when it doesn't go my way, that shows more uh, about my character than if it's going my way and I win the golf tournament. So for me, that's that's more important than the score at the end of the day. Definitely keeps you grounded. Yes, exactly. And you, and you have to find ways when you're out there to do that. Yes, so. and I like no. colors. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, welcome to the show. Uh, my great friend Eric Straub and former teammate talks so highly about you. Um, before I guess I dig in, we saw a recent tweet from you the tweet, it was a video and it said, I think it just said 50% motion. Tell us more about what that means. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if Eric told you anything about my golf game. 
Um, but well, you said you were pretty, pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of, I, I would agree with him, <laughs> but I, um, in college, junior golf, when I was a little kid, even symmetric golf was so easy. It came so easy to me. I was still in contention. I still won all the time. Like it was, it was so easy for me. I mean, I worked hard, but it still came easy. And then when I got to the LPGA my rookie year, um, I played really well that year, but I didn't win. And after the season, I I fully regret this now, but at the time it made complete sense. Um, I'd been with the same golf coach since I was nine years old. And I went in to see him at the end of the year of 2018. And I was like, I've got to gain distance. Like if you look at the top 10 on the money list, they're all hitting it further than me. I've got to gain distance. So I did the whole chasing distance like Roy McIlroy did and um, try to gain distance. And honestly, I completely lost my golf swing, which in yeah. turn, me and my coach, since the only coach I've had my whole life, we split up for a year and a half. Um, so 2019, I actually lost my card and I went back to Q school, got it back. I don't know how. 2020, I played awesome. decent. Um and at the end of 2020, I was in such a bad place mentally. I started going to a mental coach, um, which I tell everyone changed my life and not just my golf game. And then um, this year is last year, um, 2021, I struggled the first six months, but I just kept telling everyone around me was like, why is your attitude so good? And I was like, because I know it's so close. And I almost won a tournament in the summer of last year gotten a playoff and lost in the playoff. But um, for those few months, I could just tell my game was getting back to, to where I wanted it to be. So um, this year is the first time in a long time where I feel like myself again. I feel like myself, except in a, a better version of 2018 and when I used to win all the time. So I'm not saying watch out on the leaderboard, but watch, <laughs> watch the leaderboard for me because I'm hoping that um, I've put a, in a lot of work mentally and physically. And with, I'm back with my old coach. Um, we got back together at the end of 2020. Um, so I feel like myself again, finally, but it's taken me two and a half years to get back. Real quick. So does 50% motion just reiterate oh, sorry. that there's 50% mental, 50% yeah, everything else? Yeah, that was else? the question, right? Yeah. No, uh, so... 50% is one of my drills that I do. So okay. I would say on the golf course, I probably only swing 80%. I never swing 100%. Um, I probably swing about 80. So 50% is I, I really am just focusing on tempo and, and kind of the positions in my golf swing. Mm -hmm. And my seven armor only it goes 150 and 50% motion. We had some technical difficulties. We're back. But Emma, you were just in the middle of telling us about how what 50% motion means, you say you normally play 80%, but help us understand what the 50 is. Yeah, so one of the things I've done to get my swing back is my coach always talks about if you can basically hit a seven iron, 100 yards, 120 yards, 140 yards, and then what my actual distance is, 155, that will create, um, for me, the transition at the top is huge, so that will create a better transition and it really helps like I don't know if you've heard of Mylan actually Bob Rotella preaches Mylan um, and that's one of the things he talks about as well so um, that's kind of the reason why I did but 50% for me that day I was swinging 50% and it was probably my seven arm was probably going 120 but um, that's kind of just like a drill that I use to get back in my tempo and um, work on my golf swing. I really and like What that. is Myron? I don't think I've heard, my we heard Rotella talk about that. 
Mylan. I don't Mylan. know how you spell it. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that he makes me do, like mirror work. So like um, you should be able to take the club at the same speed. Like I count to 30 on the way back and 30 on the way down. Whoa. And if whenever you speed up is usually where the problem in your swing is, which it, for me it is. So mm. um, cause you're using like those small muscles in the golf swing. And so when you do this, if they call it myelin, um, supposedly it helps. And I, and I do, I, I do think it helps cause I've had to really change my whole golf swing back to how it was two years ago. And that's kind of what I've done to get it back. I always felt like if I couldn't make a, if I don't make a good turn, I get a fast transition. So when I'm like explaining that to like higher handicap players, you know, that, that has to happen too. Right. Emma. Right. Exactly. Um, and I think for me, like I can get here, but I like to lift instead of turn. And so when I practice in the mirror and really like work on that, that motion of stepping on like this versus this, um, you can feel it much, much easier. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's interesting to hear you talk about, and I think it's, it's common chasing distance and it kind of goes into my next question. I heard you say in an interview, and this makes total sense. Your first couple of years into the tour, you got to finally see all these courses. It's like you got familiarity with the schedule. So uh-huh. when you see a course, you know, a course you feel better coming back to it. So for these courses, and maybe it was for a little while that were longer or that just didn't fit your eye. Tell us and tell the listeners how you prepared for those tournaments that you just know mm, this, this isn't the perfect track for me. How did you adjust yeah, your process, yeah. your thinking and some of your preparation? Yeah. I mean, some of those golf courses, like I go to every year and it's, it's just like gold looking at it. You know, I, I know I'm going to play well. I love the golf course. I hit a fade. It, it sets up for a fade, but the ones that don't set up to my eye are the ones that are harder to play. And, at the end of the day, I got to suck it up and play it anyways <laughs> and right. play it well. <laughs> so I think for me, um, and for any golfer, I mean, if you think about what Jack Nicholas used to talk about, if you hit the fairways and the greens, it's really hard to shoot over even par, which even par on our tour is not good, but surely if you hit all 18 greens, you're going to make a couple butts. So I think just making your targets a little bigger. I know that's, not no. not your targets, but your landing zone. I actually make the targets smaller on courses that are harder, um, like picking a leaf out on my tee shots, you know, because when the course looks easy, I rarely have to like pick out something so small, but you can focus on the small targets, but make those landing areas bigger. Um, that'll keep the golf game simple. That's what Dr. Joe Parent said on our show, right? The author of Zen Golf, he said, aim to a spot, play to an area. And that's something that opened up Christy yeah. Kerr's world when she became number one under him was he actually used an analogy. You'll probably love this, Emma. I don't know if you've heard it of imagine having a shot glass on a table and being told you have to make this quarter in the shot glass or it's a bad shot versus exactly. like people get very guidey when you tell them that right. versus Hey, aim for the shot glass, but anywhere on the table is a good shot. People just start being free. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So you just, yeah. That's exactly what you just said. Yeah. And I, I don't even, I've never read that guy's yeah. book, but that's exactly what my college coach and he might've read his book. Um, that's kind of what he preached all through college, like aim small, miss small. And so when we would go out for chipping, 
he wanted us to make the shot. And when we tried to make the shots, our area was so much smaller than if we just tried to get close. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's trying to make, even from a hundred yards, my mental coach has got me from a hundred yards and in my wedges are so good. Now he's like, try to make it like, don't just try to hit it close. Like actually try to make the shot. And that kind of opened up the same door for me. It's like, wow, this is so much easier. <laughs> Interesting. Emma, let's go back for a second. Uh, your high school and collegiate career, you're one of the most accomplished players uh, at both of those levels. Did you, in times of struggle maybe, did you look to think about what your mindset was back then? I think you mentioned earlier the game kind of came easy to you, but were there some keys, especially in college, that was just a few years ago? that you were leaning on to think, Hey, what was I doing then? You know, I've thought about that a lot and I, I can't come up with anything really. <laughs> um, I think it just came, my dad growing up always just preached, prepare, prepare, prepare. If you're well prepared, like the rest will take yeah. care of itself. And I, and I truly think that's kind of what I did back in the day. But when you get at the level I'm at now, it's just so much harder because you have all those people the best at every level. They're all like me, you know, everybody else is right. just like me. And so obviously it's just harder at this level. There's so many better players. And like, I look back at scores, even now, like I watch, this is not a, this is not a dig at high school or college players. But I, I think back about my own game in those, at those times, I'm like, man, I just wasn't very good. And now I'm a lot better, but I'm not winning yet. You know? Yeah. So it's just, um, it's just harder, but I think, for me, I just try to, and I've actually gone back to that thinking the last year is like prepared the best to your ability and the rest will take care of itself. And not just with my game, but mentally and physically and at the gym and eating mm -hmm. and everything. Consistency. What do you do? How do you think you're better now versus when you're winning um, as an amateur? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a better golfer now. Um, than I was back in the day by a long shot. Um, the courses are longer now, they're harder. Um, so obviously from an outsider's perspective, maybe they just see the, the score. Um, but in my eyes, like I can do so much more with golf ball and my putting. So last year, um, I, I gained two strokes on the field on putting last year. I used to be a terrible putter, but what I did back in the day better than I did the last two years, which is what I worked on in the off season was I hit all the greens when I was younger. Like I would hit, I remember my college coach brought me in one day and he was like, I've never had a player hit this many greens. You're averaging 16 and a half greens a wow, day. <laughs> and like, I would just, I just hit all the greens. And like I said earlier, like if you're hitting all the greens, it's kind of hard not to play well. Yeah. Um, which last year after the season, I learned that I was only hitting like 12.7 greens around. So obviously that's a lot different. Um, so that's what I've done this off season actually is I, I'm actually playing a new game every day when I go out, I, I'm trying to hit all the greens, but I'm also writing down on every shot, how far away, away I was from the pin. Mm. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get all my shots 20 feet and in to the, to the hole. Um, Cause that way, if you're trying to hit it within 10, your course management can get a little sketchy, but yeah. if you can, I'm trying to make that that bubble around the the, the hole twenty feet hmm. is my is my new goal. And, I, and yesterday I shot I shot eight under yesterday with, with a bogey, and I only had 
four shots that were outside of 25 feet. So that was like the best I've done. But I think it's like keeping that, you know, I think a lot of times when people ask me how I, how I got so good, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but writing things down, um, like I write that down and then every day I can see if I'm getting better or worse or kind of make a game for myself. And when I was little, I used to write down everything. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. It really helped me growing up because it was kind of before all the technology, especially in lessons. So like, after a lesson with your coach, write down a few things. Yes, right? or, yes, yes. Or a, a, after the round, because it really helped me internalize it and like almost feel what was happening out there. Yeah, exactly. I use a putting stick and have my whole life. Um, since I was like 10 years old, I don't know if you've seen a putting stick, but it's just basically a ruler. Um, yeah. But you put the ball and it's about three feet long. I used to work and with it. I see you warm up with it too. Yeah, every day. Yeah. I've done yeah. it my whole life, but I write down how many I did out of 30. So, you know, 28 out of 30 or 25 out of 30 or whatever I did that day. Um, and when I was little, I, w- I was, I mean, it's crazy the, the difference from now till then. I mean, I think just writing it down will also make you do it every day because you're in a habit. And then second of all, it, it kind of gives you a competitive spirit to yourself, which is cool. And just yeah. to clarify for those that don't know, what is a putting stick? Um, so it's, it's, it's a, you can Google putting stick, yeah. the putting stick, and it'll come up. It's just this green kind of ruler and it's about three feet long and it's thinner than a golf ball and you put the golf ball on it and it basically just helps you get the ball started online. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And it has a little level so you can make sure, you know, it's not tilted. It's great. I've used it my whole life. It's, it's a great tool. Yeah, it's funny, Sir. I feel like Emma just said kind of like a Happy Gilmore quote, where it's like, you know, when Happy says, "Oh, it's just so much easier to make it in one on a par four, so then you don't have to putt." Emma's just like, "Well, I just need to." It's so much easier when I hit every green, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's so true. I love it. Sixteen um, greens, jeez, around. That's yeah, a lot. That's a lot. And then twelve, it's like, oh, what am I doing? It's like this is pretty good. All right, folks, hang tight. We're going to take a quick minute, take a quick breather, and then we'll get you right back to the show. You won't want to miss this. So I'm using 18 birdies right now, the top GPS and swing analyzer app in the world. They got like something like 40,000 five-star reviews out there. And I'm looking at it after my round today. And in case you guys don't know, it's the number one app to enter your scores during the round to get stats. So it looks like I hit 44% of my greens, 35% of my fairways, but 1.8 putts per hole. So clearly my short game was keeping me in it. But it gives me my rank, my percentile of all the millions of people that use the app. Apparently I was in the 89th percentile of putts per hole and my 78th that I shot was 95.5% rank. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but I'd say the thing that you guys are going to love the most about this app is... Uh, If you upgrade to the premium version, I'll get you a free trial through our link. It's listed in our show notes and also linked in our bio at the par train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, While you play, it's actually really helpful to see the actual yardage and then the plays like yardage. I use it every hole. It's actually really helped me uh, play a hole more conservatively. So instead of getting obsessed with pin yardage, I look at 18 birdies 
and I see, you know, 142 to the middle playing like 150. It factors in temperature, it factors in wind, elevation, and it's really quick. If for those that don't want to have your phone out in the round, it takes two seconds to look while you're about to shoot, and then it takes two seconds to enter in whether or not you hit the fairway, green, number of putts, and your score, and then boom, you go back to playing your round of golf. So I'm absolutely loving it, and I want you guys to join our Partrain group. It's been really fun to follow your rounds. You get a push notification every time someone in the group is playing the round. People are liking each other's rounds, cheering each other on. I have people following my rounds when I play and DMing me on Instagram. It's been a lot of fun. So hit the link in our bio, uh, download the app, join the free trial for the premium, and then friend me at Evan Singer, and you'll see the Partrain logo pop up. And uh, I'll accept your friend request, and then I'll add you to the Partrain group. It's a private group. And it's been a ton of fun. So not only are you going to improve your game, you're going to swing aggressively at conservative targets. You could even improve your swing through the swing analyzer features. And you're going to get encouragement from the partnering community. It's uh, a win-win. So thank you guys, as always, for hopping aboard. Hopefully you hop aboard the 18 Birdies train. They're a great partner of ours, and it's improving my game. I know it will improve your guys as well. So enjoy. Now let's get back to the show. This is really interesting and something actually Cermak and I have been talking of. We've talked about it a couple of times in the last few episodes, but I'd, I'd love to get your take just to dig in on the green hitting for a second. Because, sir, remember we were talking about how, you know, previously I've noticed, at least in my game, and I've noticed in a lot of amateurs I play with, that when you get into like a scoring position, let's say it's a short par four and you've got a little pick shot into the green right? Uh, or you feel like you're, you got 80 yards in or something that feels like it's, it's go time. A lot of times you shoot the pin, you go at the pin, but if you actually thought to yourself like, well, could I potentially miss the green if I go for this pin? Like, and I miss it slightly if I overcook it, whatever. But like, if you're, I don't feel like many people actually think about like what target and club gives me the best chance to hit this green. Like try and hit as many greens as possible. I'm not saying necessarily aim 30 feet away from a pin that's in a great spot at a perfect yardage and no trouble. But I noticed for me, a lot of times I would almost hit it over because I'm not thinking about hitting a green. I'm thinking about hitting it close. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious to get your take on how much you think amateur players would benefit from consciously trying to hit greens, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it does completely. Um, something else my college coach did in college is we weren't allowed, he did this like once or twice a week. Um, we couldn't use lasers. And the whole goal was just hit the greens. Hmm. And we had several girls on our team that, because you didn't even keep score. Like yeah. you just put a check mark, but it, our assistant coach would walk and keep the score. And all you did was check or X on the greens and the fairways. And so many girls without lasers, without anything, just by hitting the fairways and the greens every time they shot lower than when they had all the tools. And so I think it just proves like if you're, if you really just try to hit the fairway and then try to hit the green, most of the time your score is just going to drop tremendously. Talk about freeing up your mind, right? And if it's just hit the green, maybe somebody 
chokes up, just tries to run it up there, right? Just find a way to hit the green. And it's amazing right. what you, how you surprise yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I did the, yeah, I did that with you, sir. Our first hole together in Orlando, right? Yeah. The flag was like 140 yeah. something. I took a pitching wedge instead of a nine. I pulled it a little bit. I was still on the left side of the green. I had like a 30 footer and I drained it for birdie on one. The first, <laughs> And it's like, okay, you know, let's just like yeah, give myself putts happen, at it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's going to happen. You're going to accidentally hit them in from long ways. And then you're going to have a couple where the pins kind of in the middle and you can go for it. And then you're going to be, have a six footer for birdie and, and possibly make it, you know? So yeah. I, I truly think that for me at least, and I think for a lot of amateur golfers, like if you can just somehow hit it on the green anywhere, like yeah. instead of trying to hit it close, like if it's tucked behind a bunker, just hit it to the right and long instead of trying to hit it right at the flag. Yeah. Combining that one, one last thought on that. Yeah, go ahead. And that's great coaching by your coaches, Emma, combining that free up your mind in the fairway. But then work on your lag putting because that is so important, yeah. right? And I don't think enough yeah. amateurs working on, and I don't even think sometimes in college you work on it enough. Um, not you specifically, just in general, when we were all of us. Yeah, yeah. But it really gets your mind thinking that way. Yes. I would, I got to add something too. My, <laughs> um, one of the girls on our team in college, she's, she's a great putter. She was a great putter and she's on the LPGA tour now. But I asked her one day, I'm like, how are you such a good lag putter? She never had three putts. And, lag putts she would hit it to like a foot and I'm like yeah. how are you so good at this like what are you doing and you know what she said to me she's like how many how many putts a day do you do lag putting I'm like none and she's like well I take 10 balls every day and at the end of my practice I go 10 10 balls from 30 feet 10 balls from 40 feet 10 balls from 50 feet and I just put them I don't do anything else I just put them and she's like, that's how I'm so good at it. I'm like, oh, makes sense. If you practice it, like you get better. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's it's an underrated thing and it goes a long way, clearly. That's a great story. Well, it's yeah. funny. It's kind of reminds me of, um, you know, range work versus short game shots. I mean, clearly lag putting isn't as fun as trying to, to make eight footers, you know, and just continually making right. them and getting that dopamine response and feeling like oh i can't miss you know i feel like practicing short games the same way like it's more fun to hit balls and hit driver but hitting different shots off different lies that takes a little bit more patience and commitment you know it's not pretty stuff right yeah for sure emma you wrote in august of 2021 in your yardage book thank god for this opportunity and experience no matter what happened and in that Instagram post, you said that you didn't know a few months before that you didn't know if golf was still for you anymore. And you had to relearn how to play and get back to you. You spoke to a little bit of this with the speed work, but this is the part that I really want to dig in on. And we'll talk about your work with Paul and your mental game work. And because I want, I want our listeners to really hear this because you won multiple times at every level three high school one ncaa championship usam like so people might be thinking like well this girl she's a phenom like the game comes easy to her she's not she doesn't get down like me out there where it feels like one day i can hit greens the next day i don't even I, the club doesn't even feel right in my hand 
right? Yeah. So I really think that this part of your story can inspire people. And I want you to talk about how you got back to you, because I really think this is the part that a lot of people can can learn from for their games. Yeah, well, first of all, Paul is the reason I finally got back and he kind of opened my eyes to to the whole scheme and um, the process of getting back. But I was really struggling, like mentally, my boyfriend and I almost broke up after four years of dating because Mm. That was two years ago, you know, like I I was in such a terrible place mentally because um, I just didn't know what to do. Like I've worked my whole life on golf and all of a sudden it feels like I don't even know how to take the club back. Like I would be over the ball and I had no idea, no idea if it was going to be thin, fat, right or left, like no clue. Yeah. And so playing professionally for, for money and my, like I have a house, like I have to pay my bills. I mean, it wasn't to that point, but, you know, I'm over the ball and I'm like, I have no clue what to do. Um, I, I got to the point where I was thinking about like how to even do it. Like what moves first? I was, I was down to mm. that point. Like, I thought that. my <laughs> wrist, do my hands, like, do I breathe? Like I had no clue. Mm. Um, and so when I started talking to Paul in 2020, um, that was one of the first things we started talking about is just like, what made you, you and how, why, why are you so successful? Because I think a lot of times when people are successful at a young age, they don't really know why they were successful. And that, and I'm in that category. Like I had no idea why I was successful. I just was. And um, I didn't know why I was doing certain drills and I didn't know why I was, I didn't know anything. I just kind of had done this for so long in the same practice, but eventually it all kind of fell, fell through. And and then I had no idea what to go back to because I didn't know what was, good or bad or right or wrong mm-hmm. and I was questioning everything like I was questioning what was right and wrong and if I should be doing the putting stick I mean I had no clue and so Paul really just made it really simple for me I mean it was a lot of work with him but um trying to figure out like why I'm why do I work with Todd why do I work with my chipping coach why do I work with my putting coach is it just because I'm out of habit or are they actually giving me content that I can I can learn from and and also like I didn't even know anything about my golf swing I I had a great golf swing I had no idea what I was doing to make it good so for me I think knowing why you're doing something is is huge because now I I don't want to say I don't need my golf coach because I had a lesson yesterday but I definitely like when I look at my swing now I know exactly why I'm doing something not just Oh, I'm a little laid off at the top. Well, actually, you're laid off because you didn't finish your turn. You actually lifted with your arms. I never knew any of that. Mm. Um, so for me, it was basically getting back to the basics. I actually stopped reading putts. Like that was one of the first things Paul said was like, let's just act like you're a kid and just go up and putt it. You know, I mean, I went all the way down to the very bottom of grip, alignment, stance. I started from scratch and then built it back up. And thankfully like got it back so it sounds like you fell into a trap that a lot of us fall into which is the results aren't headed in the direction that we'd like and we start to get really technical we overwhelm ourselves with technical thoughts it becomes less of an instinctual natural motion yeah too many things going on and you under got back to basics and yeah, I think the probably the most important thing you might have said there that we haven't talked a ton about on this show 
is the why. Most people yeah. don't know the why around things. And that I probably was... maybe help us understand what that did for you beyond just the the technical stuff and the parts of yeah. your swing, but more so like why you play and why you maybe play well. What did that do for you? Well, I'm going to go back a little bit. So when I, when I first got on the LPJ, I was so excited to be on the LPJ. It was like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the year, you know, it had become redundant, like not redundant in a bad way, just like, oh, I'm a professional golfer. And maybe I wasn't as thankful in October as I was in January. And I remember that last half of the year, just kind of looking around and like looking at Nellie or Jess or Lexi or Jenya and Co. And like looking at what their drills were. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to try that. And the only reason I tried it is because their results were really high. Um, you know, they were playing really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's what I was doing. And I fell to that. And saying that, um, I, a guy that I went to Alabama with, who's a really good player, he fell in the exact same trap. And we actually had a really deep, like two hour conversation last week about it. He did the exact same thing I did. He was really successful in college and, went pro early and was supposed to, he beat a lot of Justin Thomas's records at Alabama and he fell on the same track, tried to gain distance, lost his swing. Now he's back on corn ferry. Um, and he's having to relearn the game of golf because he completely kind of went off the rails and he's the same asking those questions of like, why am I actually doing this drill? And why, why do I lay the club off? And why do I do these things? And I think the the why, if you don't know why you're doing certain things in your golf swing or, or really even while you're playing golf, um, then, then you're not going to be successful. And, and now he's starting to get his game back. It, it took me a long time as well. Um, one more thing about that. My dad actually mentioned this to me yesterday. He was saying how a long time ago I was really successful as a kid. And um, he said to my dad, my coach said to my dad, does Emma love winning or does she love golf? Because if she loves winning this, she's not going to make it. Mm. And I think, you know, for me, maybe I've always loved golf, obviously, but after my rookie year on the LPGA, I think I was so obsessed with winning and obviously I'm still am. I want to win every week, but that's not, when I go on the first tee, I'm not, I'm not thinking when I'm thinking hit it in the fairway, (laughs) you know, it's it's about the process, not, not winning because if you think about the process you will win mm-hmm. um and i was so just focused on winning that i couldn't even i couldn't play yeah well it's really really fascinating to hear you talk about this emma so really it came down to you, you had to tweak your mindset you had to tweak how you practiced right and you know how you mm-hmm. did lessons and ultimately that's going to change your whole routine because i've seen a lot of guys you know, give it a shout out. Those are great players, but they can never figure out a balance. They can never figure out a routine. You know, am I practicing enough? Am I not, am I not taking enough downtime? So what ultimately led to some of those tweaks, like on the week of a tournament, because when you get out of your routine, oftentimes you just don't play as well as you should. You hear Rory right. talk about this. Like, I'm, you know, what, what things can I change? You know, once you got to that understanding of what the mental game means and, you know, what practice should be for you. Yeah. I mean, heck I'm learning every day. I don't know if y'all heard of the book atomic habits, but I'm reading it right now. 
Um, but I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm learning every day, but for me, I listen through Paul, but also, um, just through my own research. Like I, I, one thing that's vivid to me is Dustin Johnson did an interview about, um, why he was, why he was so successful. I mean, number one, he was killing it. And he said, I do the same thing every single day. Like I go to sleep at 10 o'clock. I wake up at six o'clock. I go to the gym. Like he does the same thing every single day, eats the same thing every single day. He does the same drills every single day. And I think through that book that you're asking me this question, Mm -hmm. through this book, through what Paul's told me, through videos I've watched about this, I truly believe like successful people are, are consistent. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way to put that other than just like they have these routines and they have this light. It's not just about my routines in golf. It's about my routines across the board. You know, I wake up every day during off season, I go to the gym, I do my meditation, I go do my morning practice, I come back for lunch, then I go do my afternoon practice and I play 18 holes. Like I've done that every day (laughs) for the last three months. It's Emma, right? It's like, what's non-negotiable, whether you're playing the LPJ tour, or you work in sales or you work in accounting, like what are the four or five things that just have to be done today for you to be successful? And you, you cannot, you, you cannot make a compromise, right? Right. Exactly. I think learning how to say no, that was one thing that Paul had to teach me is I'm a yes girl. Like I would say yes to everything. If someone needs me, I'm there. Like I'll be there even for friends, which is great. Like it's great to be a good friend, but when I was on the golf course, for example, I was saying yes to people at the golf course. And Paul oh. taught me a trick. He was like, if someone comes up to you and they need you and they need to talk to you, say, hey, let's go to dinner tonight and let's talk about this and let me give you like my full attention instead of like giving you a five, a 10 minute conversation here on the putting green. And I've actually mm. feel like that's grown my relationships instead of made them worse. And mm. I think it's just learning, like you said, what's important and what, how to, how to be a good girlfriend. Like for me, that was hard because my whole life is golf, you know, like, how do you, how do you give time to someone? How do you give time to friends or family when you're trying to play at such a high level? And I think learning to say no, but also doing, like I said, I, now I I say, Hey, do you want to like go to dinner tonight? And we can talk about it. Being intentional, right? Yes. Being more intentional. Exactly. Emma, one of our mottos is if you can smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. Yes. And um, I want to dig in on that a little bit with you because I think I can always feel the listener when we're doing these interviews and I can sometimes feel when they need more. And so far, (laughs) so far, I think they've gotten the fact that technical versus simple playing like a kid. Um sometimes I think we talk about that a lot, but sometimes I think our listeners might have this response of, yeah, but I'm not her. I haven't won all these tournaments. My swing doesn't have perfect positions. Um, I'm sure you would say yours doesn't either, but um, like they probably think I have too many flaws. I need to fix X, Y, and Z in my swing, right? What do you do now differently when you play golf and maybe you see a miss that you haven't seen in a while or the rounds just not going your way or you feel a little tired. Like, are there differences in how in maybe self-talk or things you do mentally that you didn't do a couple of years ago? 
through your work oh, with 1, Paul. That would be like a four hour conversation, but I'll give you some. <laughs> we might need to have you back. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm a completely different player than I was two years ago. Um, but one thing I will say, and this was something my coach said a long time ago to me. He was like, if you have one bad shot, just know that you're the next one. The next one's not going to be bad. Like you don't, you don't hit that many bad shots in a round. And I think also just remembering, at least for me, like golf is 72 holes and we play this game that we strive for perfection when we're not perfect. And I think you just have to accept the fact that not every shot is going to be good because it's not, (laughs) it's just not even the people that shoot 59, they could probably critique something they did that day that did not go their way. Um, So I think playing a, a perfect sport for imperfect people and that's what Paul like preached to me all the time is like, hmm. we we're trying to perfect this game that is impossible. Like a perfect score is 18 technically. And like, we're not going to shoot 18. Right. <laughs> so I think it, you know, for me now, when I hit a bad shot or something goes wrong, it's just one of, it's just one shot out of however many that day. And the next shot is trying to get on the green or, or get out of trouble or whatever it is. I think so many people will try those miracle shots, you know, and it's like, let's just take our bogey and move on <laughs> because this is not a good hole or let's take our double and not make it a quad, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, because I think sometimes right. as amateurs, we see a little tiny gap. Even I do this, especially when I'm playing for fun. I'm like, I'm going to try this. You know, and I know it's not the right thing to do because it's too, it's too hard. Mm-hmm. And then I end up, end up making double instead of possibly making, having a par putt. So. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, Emma, it's just like, can we stop ourselves and say, what did we learn from that shot? Yeah. Yeah. But it's exactly. hard, right? Because it's, you just, it's easy to just get emotional one way or the other, but like, and you may have like. I picked the right club. I picked the right shot. It got a bad bounce. Or you know what? That wasn't my go-to shot. Like, but once we ask ourselves that, that's helped me. But oftentimes, yeah. I forget to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And if I don't know if y'all know what those, uh, I forgot what they're called. But uh, you know where you can put the ball in that arc and it goes down. What's that called? The is part like of, you the- you measure stint off of it. Um, oh. What are those little things yep. called? The putt, well, uh, not the putting arc. Uh, the, uh, no, I mean, you know, st- you can roll the stint the ball meter. Off yeah, it. it rolls about. Yeah, you yeah. roll the ball off of it. It's like a little. It's like ramp. the stint meter thing. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but my college coach also did that. He went. He showed us. We went on. Now it's really grainy in Alabama, but he showed us. He was like, "I'm going to put the ball at the same spot every single time, and we know that this is the break because we had tested it enough." Yep. And we did 10 balls and not all the balls went in the hole. And he was like, and this is supposed to be perfect. Mm. Like I'm putting the ball at the same spot every time. He's like, so that just shows you like, it's not always going to be go your way because this is the perfect machine and it's still not going in the hole. You know, I think yeah. eight out of 10 went in. Um, but there were two that the grass messed it up or maybe the dimple on the golf ball. Who knows what it was? Right. So right. I think we just, 
try to play so perfect sometimes when it's just not a perfect we're not perfect and the grass is not perfect and the wind's not perfect and like ball's not everything perfect, yeah nothing's perfect yeah. <laughs> everything's like just messed up I think when you think of it like that you might become a little freer in in your everyday because like especially in Florida the wind gusts I mean it's like I hit a shot and all of a sudden it's 20 yards short and I'm like what the heck and I get mad and it's like I hit that really well. The only thing that was wrong was that the wind gusted right when I hit. Like, you can't yeah. help that. Right. <laughs> well, it's kind of like... Sir, Everything's we, messed up. I like that. We heard... It's yeah, it's not my fault. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think uh, I already mentioned Dr. Joe Parent, but he actually said as well that even Iron Byron, the robot, had a dispersion pattern. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. And that's the robot. So... I think, Emma, to sum up what you just said, you correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, I think what it comes down to is what you're saying is you're beginning to accept that it's not a game that can be mastered. It's a game to be managed. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's uh, a lesson that we can all learn. I mean, certainly it's not a terrible thing to try and master something that drives us, but we also need to ask ourselves if, if that expectation is productive. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And I always tell people, like, I play in these pro-ams, you know, and they're always like, oh, like, you you had the perfect swing. I'm like, quit your quit your eight to five job and then practice all day for, for 20 years and you'll be really good again. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> sometimes people have, like, the wrong, wrong expectations. I think expectations kill everything. And yeah, um, I think if you can get rid of those, like, all these amateurs that play on Saturdays and Sundays, like, come on, bro. Do you actually practice or are you just going out to have a fun time? With your yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, Emma, I know we're almost at time. I've got two quick yeah. final questions okay. for you. First is I'd be remiss to not ask this before you go. Um, because you are our first active LPGA player. And I don't know if we've asked this from Dottie. Maybe we did a couple years ago, but I'd love to get your answer. Um, if our listeners mostly just watch the PGA Tour, what is something they might learn from watching the LPGA that maybe they wouldn't learn or get from watching the PGA Tour? I think it's so funny you say that because every time we get a Pro-Am group, they're like, this is my first time. And they end up becoming huge fans because our games are much more like the amateur games than the PGAs. I actually went to a Corn Ferry last week. They can get on all the par fives and two. They can drive like two of the par fours. It's a joke. Like it's, they hit the ball so far that the golf courses just aren't long enough. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not really, I don't want to say it's not comparable, but it's not, you know, and that's what I learned. I'm like, why do they shoot so low? And it's like, well, they have wedge into every shot. <laughs> and like, if I had wedge, if, if you had wedge into every hole, like you would hit, you would play pretty, pretty dang good. Mm -hmm. As for me, like I'm, I'm playing probably what all the amateurs are playing. Like our yardages are sim very similar. We hit it. We probably hit it about the same. Um, our tempo is probably about the same. Our speed is about the same. Those guys swing so hard that some of those chip shots they can pull off are like unreal, but their speed is just nuts. So I think, I think a lot can be learned from LPGA golf and we're prettier. <laughs> That's true. 
I, I mean, just commitment to tempo, right? Because you've, yeah. you've got to think about it in a different way, right? But yeah. in the long run, that pays off for consistency. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think Dottie, I, that just reminded me, I think Dottie might have said something like, when you watch these guys on the PGA Tour, like men obviously have bigger muscles in regards to the shoulders and the arms. And so it's much easier for us to want to like activate those. Whereas women use their full body much mm -hmm. more effectively than most male amateur players. So it's really a sight to be seen in regards to how to swing the golf club versus yeah. the PGA tour. Yeah. I think that she summed it up better than me. Like, I think that's so true because we have to use our, the ground, we have to use our hips, like we have to use everything and everything has to be really connected where a lot of amateurs use their, their arms because they just are very armsy and they yeah. say all arms. They don't have as much rotation and all that stuff. So last question, uh, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, and if you're not following Emma, follow her at ER Tally, T-A-L-L-E-Y on Instagram um, hey. and Twitter as well. I'm on Twitter, but I don't post as much on Twitter. Okay. Instagram's the place to go for Emma. Instagram. Um, but we know you post, speaking of Instagram, you sometimes post hashtag enjoy the walk. And on the train yes. here, we like to say enjoy the ride. So we knew you'd be, you'd fit right in. <laughs> um, I want to give you the floor. Any final words that you want to reiterate to our listeners that you've already spoken to, but you think is really important you want to end on or something you didn't get a chance to say that you think is important for the average player to hear? Oh gosh, I think just in, enjoy the walk, you know, I think too many times yeah. we don't enjoy golf courses. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but golf is so peaceful and too many times I take it for granted. I think golf is the best sport in the world as far as networking, as far as friendships. There's no other sport you can chit chat for six hours mm -hmm. um, to your friends. So I think take yourself less seriously. <laughs> yeah, Relax like a little bit. <laughs> Well, it's funny, Emma. Dr. Bob Bertella told us most people, when you ask them what they enjoy about the game, they like everything about it except when they play. <laughs> so he said, exactly. if you don't like the misses, if you don't like the mistakes, you don't actually love golf. Yeah, so I, I think agree. that's really in line with what he you gotta said. Learn to, learn to like it all a little bit. And it's messed yeah. up, right, Emma? So just, yeah. just roll with it. Yeah, roll with the punches. My dad always used to say like, when I would hit a bad shot, he's like, well, now you can show off on your chipping, you know, <laughs> like just go do the yeah. next thing. Totally. That's awesome. yeah, that's well, you've got two great. new fans uh, in us, Emma, we're going to be cheering you on yep. and we'd love, I mean, I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Um, so we'd love to have you back and maybe dig in on some more mental stuff in the, in the future, but best of luck. Yeah. We're going to be rooting you on. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes. And I would love to come back. Congrats awesome. on all your success so far. And, it's going to be a great year Thank for you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care, Emma. Thanks, Emma. Thanks.